So uh, I want a flight of beers. Give me one with a high ABV, one with a high IBU, uh, a mead, and uh, whatever you have in cask. So what did I just say, other than a laughably vague order at the bar? Well, today's episode, we're going to pull back the curtain a little bit, look at some of the terms associated with beer. We'll learn what a wort is, how it's different from a mash, maybe explain some of those weird percentages you see on your beer labels. Yeah, we should have done this sooner, but we're doing it now, so come in and have a drink. the show where you learn along with us about a glorious drink called beer. I'm Brittany Lee Walker. I'm Justin Frazier. And I'm Christopher Walker. It's just in. From all the ships to see. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, I guess we've got a little bit of news. Uh, we've got an update from a story that we've been carrying for a little bit. Just a brief one. We'll have the link up on the site if you really wanted to read about this. But it's just a quick update on the InBev possible buyout of Miller. And Miller, for the second time, has rejected InBev's offer. It's the, the first offer was private behind closed doors. No one really knew about it. And it wasn't until the second offer that everyone started to get wind of this. But Miller has basically said, no, we're not going for quite that cheap. They've not said they're not off the table, but InBev is really going to have to step up their offer. Need to bring out that big comical, uh, uh, comical size check. Let's just... Yeah, they need Publisher's Clearinghouse to kind of jump in there. That's what I'm trying to say, yeah. Cardboard check, yeah. That, that's really what they're looking for, but InBev's like, you know, we really kind of want this to be a a good deal in our favor. And just think of all the zeros you can fit on that check. <laughs> <laughs> all right, moving into some of the actual news stories. And we've promised with this one, we're going to limit it to one sellout story per episode, if there is one, because most of the news around this really is uh, a lot of brewers selling out bits and chunks. But for no. this story... They not sell out in terms of being a sellout. Yeah, in they terms just of their to have sold something. selling percentages or the entire percentage to other companies. This story, Dogfish Head, bum bum bum. Uh, some examples would be of a Dogfish Head beer would be the Pumpkin Ale, uh, Midas Touch, or their famous 60-minute IPA, which is available. I would say just about everywhere, but it is their most widely available beer. Yeah, it's the one you see the most. Yeah, uh, Dogfish Head has sold 15% of their company to LNK, which, if that doesn't sound familiar, 
it's because it's an investment firm. Oh, well, that they did not sense. sell to any other brewer or anyone else. They do have plans later on to try and reacquire this percentage. But with the percent that they sold, this gives LNK Partners uh, a seat out of the four seats on the board at Dogfish Head. So they have a one-fourth say in anything that's happening at Dogfish Head. Did, did they kick someone out? Did like, um, someone lose their chair, or did they just like put a new one in? They may have added one. I'm not sure. The entire – all of Dogfish Head was family-owned until this point. Oh, okay. So they – just picturing like everyone else has these nice big like swivel, comfy chairs, and they just pull out a little, uh, pull out a little folding chair and go, there you go. Yeah, <laughs> but no. Um, Dogfish Head has said they completely plan to buy this back sometime in the future. They don't have any timeline for when that could be, but this does give the company a large chunk of change to play around with and maybe expand their breweries to get because their brewery has already expanded to the point to where their current facility will not let them brew any more beer. And that's the reason a lot of their beers are hard to find is because they just can't brew enough to get it all across the country. So this may give them the ability to open another brewery somewhere or expand out. Uh, we don't have the full story, but Dogfish Head is also selling a vodka now right around uh, their hometown. So they're obviously up. looking into expanding a lot of things, and sometimes you have to sell portions or you know look at investment firms to be able to do that. That's that's, that's really why people do do that is to 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 make some quick cash usually to for a short term goal or for a long term goal rather you do some short term selling for a long term goal that makes more sense yeah <laughs> yeah we'll, we'll go with that one. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's comforting to know that they didn't sell out to they didn't sell out. Period. They just sold a small stake. It's no controlling stake, but they didn't sell any percentage to any large brewers, which they have actually publicly stated they will not ever sell anything to a larger company such as Imbev or Miller Coors. They just they detest that kind of thing. Yeah, it definitely doesn't seem in the spirit of um, their, I guess he's the CEO, but the, the guy who started the whole thing, Sam. Um, I mean, and, and it does, the expansion thing makes a lot of sense. I mean, he just kind of started that all himself, and yeah, it does. It makes a lot of sense. Yeah, they talk about it. There's a great, we've brought this up hundreds of times already, in four short episodes. We've already mentioned this, mentioned this documentary hundreds of times. <laughs> it was on Netflix, and it, they really, there's, a quarter of this documentary is over the founding of Dogfish Head, and I really recommend you track it down and watch it. Uh, oh, Beer Wars. What, yeah, Beer Wars, and it's really good. I highly suggest giving it a watch. All right, uh, let's move on to our next story that has nothing to do with financials. Well, some for the residents of London, I suppose. It appears that a mere 28 minutes before it was scheduled to start, the Oktoberfest in London, London, England, was canceled immediately. How do you cancel a whole Oktoberfest? Like, there's, like, people already there. They're ready to drink. But... Yeah, that, that was the issue. People had dumped. It was a ticketed event. <laughs> so that cannot, uh, the standard ticket 
was 10 pounds just to get you in, and VIP tickets were going for up to 1,000 pounds. Oh, God. It was a lot of money. Yeah. And needless to say, the headline for this story, if you want to look at it, even <laughs> says, Beer Lovers Left Hugely Pissed Off. Yeah, it's a quote from one of the guys who got a VIP ticket. He said he had 10 people or so coming. So, yeah, I would bet that he's mad. Yeah, and it was 28 minutes before. People were already starting to gather outside the gates. They're ready to get in, ready to go. People have come in from all over the country, from out of the country, getting ready to party. And you're there ready. And 28 minutes before you're ready to run in there and start, they say, nope, sorry, it's not going to happen. And they didn't give what anyone believes to be a sufficient reason. The reasoning they gave was that the night before, which is like a preview night, most places do this kind of thing, is that they couldn't deal, they couldn't cope with the huge crowds of people that showed up and that they felt that they just could not handle what was going to happen the next day. So I guess they probably that whole night were talking this out, trying to figure it out, and decided, uh, we should probably not do this. I'm just trying to figure out what part of the logistics you're having trouble with for an Oktoberfest. You set up a, a ton of porta-potties, you let the people have their, their stands to sell food and beer, and then what, what was going wrong? <laughs> I don't know. There's, there's just really vague mentions of anything, and we've checked since the story broke on Friday. Uh, the whole celebration was going to kick off this past Friday, October 9th, and it didn't. <laughs> I feel really bad for these people, because I know how mad I would be, because we we get down to October for Cincinnati like almost an hour before they're ready to start. Mm -hmm. But it's not a ticketed event, so we can just, you can get out in the street, and you can just start. And it's but, not that they didn't have enough beer, because it says more than 200,000 pints of German lager were supposed to be imported specifically for this event. Yes, it was imported from breweries in Munich, Germany, and this was tangled with the record turnout they're expecting at the actual Oktoberfest in Munich is going to put Munich at a beer shortage. So all this beer was sent to London, and now it's not going to be drank. It's really a bad situation, and for anyone that was going to go, I really am sorry. <laughs> yeah. really. They do say that um, there, I guess a lot of links were let out, uh, Twitter and the website and things like that, for people to get refunds. So at least they are doing that much. But They've said still. that you, to hold tight to your tickets. They've yeah. not actually said when that may come. All they've said is hold on to your tickets that they're going to try and organize a refund. Right. But that is just awful. I couldn't imagine spending you know, the equivalent of a thousand pounds on thinking it's going to be an awesome weekend for a VIP experience to something like that. And then your whole weekend is gone and your money. Um, and we had a quick worth of mention from another story. It's not really a full news story, but from the Brewers Association, it is a nice milestone that the U S has reached 4,000 breweries. Yay! We're approaching our country's historical high of 4,131 breweries set back in 1873. Man, they had a lot of breweries back then. 
yeah, they, uh, there may have been a reason for the drop-off in brews. I mean, <laughs> well, yeah. To be right. fair, that's the beginning of, of prohibition movements in state to state. But yes, and uh, in the article, we'll link it on our site if you want to go and read this brief article. Uh, they give the Brewers Association definition of a brewery, which is important when you think about this. But yeah, definitely go and give that article a quick glance. It's like three paragraphs, so you can blow through it real fast. All right. All right. Before we get into the uh, the next one, which uh, the the final news story, uh, which is kind of a news story and kind of just a, a feature really in the beer world. Uh, I did look up how much that was. A um, thousand British pounds is just over fifteen hundred dollars in U.S. Ouch. So yeah, that's, that's that happened. Almost equivalent to what we spent to go out to Nerdtacular. Yeah. This past oh, year. God. That's crazy. So just to <laughs> just to make make that situation worse. But okay, so our final bit of we'll call it news. It's a new app. The app is called Drunk Mode. It's available on Android and iOS, and it's basically a really good safety measure for when you know you're going to go out drinking and, like, drinking, drinking. Some of the features of this app are you can hide specific phone contacts so that you can't drunk dial or drunk text people. So uh, they also have integration with Uber, so you can find a safe ride home. And looking at one of these screenshots, it also shows you the distance um, if you were to walk it instead of drive, in case you're not like super, super drunk. You can retrace your steps from the night before. So if you left something somewhere, you will know everywhere that you went in case you can't remember the entire night. And then finally... I'm, um, I'm thinking of some nights where this would have been handy. Yeah, <laughs> seriously. Uh, a lot of different moments in college, I think. Um, and then finally, you can. Uh, this is for the person not using the app, but you can track your drunk friends via GPS. It's essentially the Find My Friends feature, but it's Find My Drunk Friends. That way, you can easily find them if you want to give them a ride, or if you want to make sure they're okay, or you haven't heard from them. When it's the the thing that shows where you went last night, like the retracing your steps thing, that feature is called breadcrumbs. Find My Friends similar feature is called Find My Drunk. Um, now the app, when you set it up, you would you ideally set it up before you go out or after you get to the first place, let's say, and it asks you for how long you want to enable this feature or the app itself, you know. So it does three hour increments starting at three hours and goes up to 12 hours. And if you want to try to disable drunk mode early, you have to do some math. <laughs> they want to test you to see just how drunk you are. I mean, maybe I can't do it sober. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's like, like a, one of the standard field sobriety tests is say the alphabet backwards, and it's like, I can't do that sober! Yeah, which is not a thing you want to say to the officer trying to arrest you. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but no, this app, for when we were in college, would have been insanely useful because I have hazy memories of calling Brittany when we went out, a few, some of us guys went out drinking to the Hofbra house, and suddenly they left, and I find myself hanging out of a tree at the liquor store next door, and she's like, where are you? And all I could say was, I'm at the liquor store hanging in this tree, and 
someone pulled up and stopped later, and I just fell in their car. <laughs> Luckily, it was the correct car. <laughs> <laughs> Luckily, it was the right person. Um, I'm just so, saying this would have cleared up Boston, my Boston trip a lot. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I'm going to say about that trip, by the way. It's just... Um, so an example it gives on the screenshot for uh, the it's called the drunk quiz if you're trying to disable it. So it says you still have two hours and fifty nine minutes left on the clock, but if you're ready to disable drunk mode, please solve the following equation: five hundred seventy one plus three hundred thirty two plus fifty seven. In parentheses, answer is always a positive number. <laughs> I would say you're adding, so how could it possibly be negative in that case? But you know what? But if you're drunk and you're just like, I don't, yeah, <laughs> I don't know. So, and then it's got it's got some great screenshots. Um, the app itself, like the UI, looks really clean and nice. So that is drunk mode again on Android and iOS, and it is available for free. The best Ooh. kind of free. Yes. Yeah, that's it's just the right price to save lives. I I think this app is absolutely fantastic. I'm surprised it took this long to get to exist, I guess. But at the same time, it kind of works out that now it's integrated with Uber and you know, it probably has a way more features in it than it would have been able to initially. And Uber is a lifesaver. All I can say is it's changed the way we go out and drink because now there's no, oh, who's going to be the DD? It's just, no, we'll take an Uber. Yeah. Worth the money. Um, sometimes it's better than the cab. Sometimes it's not. But either way, worth the money. All right, I guess it's about time to move into our main topic for this episode. So, yeah, we've got a lot of terms to try and cover. Um, if you do want to find out, there's we're not doing a comprehensive list because there's a lot more than even we know. Yes, uh, and we will do more terminology episodes in the future because you, there is just way too much to cover in the short amount of time this podcast takes. Right. But what we did was try to pick out a few cherry-picked ones that you know, we could at least cover, some important ones. Uh, if you do want uh, a good list, uh, head on over to beeradvocate.com. Uh, they, they have a section called Terms. You should be able to, to look for it there. But yeah, let's, let's, get into, let's get into some of these terms. What's our first one, Brittany? All right, so fermentation for beer, wine, anything. This is the chemical breakdown of a substance by bacteria yeasts, or other microorganisms, typically involving effervescence and the giving off of heat. Basically, it's the process in the making of beer, wine, or any liquor where sugars are converted to ethyl alcohol. Yeah. And if you ever go to a room, if you go to a distillery or a brewery where the fermentation is taking place, it is very hot in those rooms. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And it always smells delicious. Well. <laughs> All right, the next term we're going to go with here is hops, a pretty important one. Uh, hops are the female flowers of the hop plant known as Humulus lupellus. And sure. you can call me out for mispronouncing that. Yeah, find a person that speaks fluent Latin. Mm. Bring I, them. I dare you. I double dog dare you. But anyway, they are primarily as used as a flavoring and stability agent in beer to which they impart the bitter, tangy flavor, though they are also used for various purposes and other beverages and herbal medicines. Man, sounds like the best kind of medicine. Oh, yeah. medicine. 
keeping up a little bit with that hop theme, there's a, a subsection of them called noble hops. Uh, now there's a lot of different kinds of hops grown today. Only a tiny fraction uh, are typically called noble hops. Uh, there's a debate about what makes a noble hops quote noble, uh, but they're they are traditionally one of four continental European varieties. Uh, they all kind of share similar floral, earthy flavors, um, and they all have a lower level of bittering acids. And they're also in another language, so I'm going to do my best. We've got Tedernang, uh, Tedernang, sure, Haller Tower, Haller Tower Middenfjord, that's another one. And Spotler uh, are the the ones from Germany, and then there's uh, the Saz hops from uh, the Czech Republic. I spent that entire time thinking I was about to just go Klatu, Verata. <laughs> <laughs> it completely didn't sound like you were trying to summon an elder god. No, it, it it's, fine. it's fine. I said most of the words. What do you want from me? <laughs> But yeah, uh, these are the typically the, the noble hop varieties, and they're they're pretty important in uh, European brewing tradition. Uh, th- take a look at some of the the European lagers, particularly the Golden Pilsners, uh, and that'll, those are some where like the hops are kind of more at the forefront of some of those flavors. All right, and then the final note about hops in general, I guess, aromatic hops. So this refers to hop additions that take place later in the boiling process. It's a shorter amount of time spent in the boil kettle and provides aromatic characteristics from the hops rather than the bittering characteristics. Because in case you weren't sure, hops is bitter. <laughs> yeah. um, you'll find a lot of hops in India Pale Ales, for example, and they have more of the bittering quality. But hops actually do smell quite great. Yeah, And if you don't like bitter flavors, sometimes they'll have you know, different flavors of hops or different kind of ways they'll work, but by and large, it's what's going to make beer taste kind of like beer, so that's... It's kind of one of the main things that makes a beer a beer. Right. But our next term is going to be wort, spelled W-O-R-T, or you'll find it W-A-R-T and also W-E-R-T. They're all referring to the same thing, and that is the malt sugar solution that is boiled prior to fermentation. That's sort of your your pre-cook thing. It's, it's what you're trying to mi- mix all together. Yeah, you're going to find that in most alcohols, even yeah. hard liquors. Next up, we've got uh, got the term mash. <laughs> Sorry, trailed off to way too much TV. Um, no, uh, mash could be one of two things. It could be either a verb or a noun. Uh, the verb, in, when it refers to, to beer and liquor producing, is to release malt sugars by soaking the, soaking the grains in water. And then if you're using it as a noun, it's basically what doing that gives you. you know? That'll be like you going, yeah, no, I mashed, this, I mashed the wart and got the mash. Makes complete uh, sense, yes. Makes total sense. No, I I did have a chance uh, in high school to try just pure mash out. Uh, we were at the Maker's Mark Distillery for a tour, and they're like, yeah, no, try some of this stuff. Oh, God, 
<laughs> it's not finished. Yeah. Uh, they're like, yeah, no, it's not, but that will eventually become become bourbon. Delicious, delicious bourbon. No, I'd always heard mash only used as a noun, knowing that the verb, I mean, it makes sense now that you hear it, <laughs> yeah. but I'd never stop to think, oh, yeah, that's, I mean, it's the verb as well. That's the process that's going on, not just what you get in the end. Yeah. Another step in the uh, the beer-making process, another important factor, is yeast. During the fermentation process, yeast converts the natural malt sugars into alcohol and carbon dioxide gas. Yeast was first reviewed under a microscope in 1680 by the Dutch scientist Anton van Leeuwenhoek. Sure. In 1867, Louis Pasteur discovered that yeast cells lack chlorophyll and that they could develop only in an environment containing both nitrogen and carbon. Mm. I think people mostly remember, remember Pasteur for that, not the, the first guy there. Yeah, Pasteur got like all the credit. Yeah. Um, yeah, but I mean, I get to drink milk longer because of him, so. Right. <laughs> the other guy just saw something. I mean, that's yeah. cool, but what did he do after that? Indeed. But yeah, what yeast is a very important factor in the in the whole uh, brewing of beer. It it can literally change your beer a dozen different ways. Uh, well, probably more than a dozen, but it's it's a huge part of it. Like you underestimate yeast, is what I'm saying. All right, the next term, adjuncts, and I don't mean professors. Now this <laughs> is uh, I was unfamiliar with the term, but I mean I knew about what was going on with adjuncts. But adjuncts are other unmalted grains or sugars that are added to a beer to create different flavors or colors. Some examples are oats, rye, wheat, rice, and corn. A lot of these same things you're going to find in bourbon and other whiskeys. Yeah. But honey and other sugars can also be used to fill this category. Yeah, this is this is where you'll get some of your stuff, like your you add some adjuncts to get your honey beers or... Your Hefeweizens, maybe, or... And this is, is going to be something that you don't find uh, because of the Bavarian purity standards. It's not something you find a lot in beers from Bavaria. Yeah. Because they stick to foreign they ingredients. Have, they have strict sort yeah. of standards for them. Uh, but if you're wanting to try experimental beers, we'll put it that way, they, they like to use adjuncts. A lot of craft brewers use they do. many of these ingredients, if and more. Especially around this time of the year with all these beautiful fall beers to pull out all those other harvesty flavors that use a lot of adjuncts. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, we've got one of the other key things for beer uh, coming up, which is malt. Now, this is the base grain for all beer. It's almost always made from barley. However, sometimes wheat's used. Sorry. Sometimes wheat is used for a particular style. Uh, such as a Hefeweizen. Uh, malt is created by soaking barley in water and allowing it to germinate before drying and kilning. Uh, this process enables the production of enzymes, which during the brewing process will convert starch into a fermentable sugar. Uh, the kilning process can also re result in malt with characteristics imparted of different flavors and colors in the final product. That's a long way of saying that they put it into a big fiery kiln that'll, that'll roast it in a certain way. Uh, your roasted malts will give you a certain certain flavor profile and co uh, color. Some of your uh, 
some of the other ones will have different. I'm trying to think of the right word I'm looking for here, but I'm saying like I personally really like a nice roasted malt. But I imagine that's going to be a lot of the darker colored, yeah, uh, more caramel kind of colored beers. Yeah, it's interesting that you know to do it, you got to like, all right, let's get this barley ready to work. It's oh look, it's starting to to get all nice and I don't know if it's flowery is the right way to get it, but you know. Stuff starting to work in the bar in the barley, and then it's like, all right, dry it out, put it in the fire, yeah. give me what's left over. Uh, okay, so the next term is something we've been talking about for the past couple episodes on what we're drinking. It is the alcohol by volume or ABV. This is the percentage usually on, I would say most beers. Um, not always on a lot of imports though, uh, but it's a measurement of the alcohol content of a solution in terms of the percentage of volume of alcohol per volume of beer. This measurement is always higher than alcohol by weight. To calculate the approximate volumetric alcohol content, subtract the final gravity from the original gravity and divide by 0.0075. Look, that's, that's way too much math. Yeah. Uh, I, I just <laughs> look on the back end of a bottle and it, it tells me what the alcohol by volume is. I think that's, that's a much easier way to figure it out. <laughs> Someone else has already done the math for you, so just trust their numbers. Yeah, I only worry about this if you're home brewing. <laughs> well, yeah, if you're home brewing, it's a different, different kind of thing. Or you could just not care and just go, yeah, no, whatever, as long as it gets <laughs> yeah. me drunk. And generally, the the higher the ABV, the more intense the it's basically the more intense the alcohol content is. Like, for example, the 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 beer that we had on the last episode was 10 point something percent, 10.6 maybe. It was a very high uh, ABV content, <laughs> and you could feel it. There's a Kentucky old-fashioned bourbon barrel ale, and it has something like 10 or 11 ABV, and it's, it's super stout, but it is, it is delicious, but it's, it's one of those you're just like, all right, let's try this out. All right, someone just dumped an old-fashioned into this beer. All right. <laughs> no, I love, in college, we discovered, thanks to one of our friends, uh, Golden Drack. And it oh, has, yeah. like, a big golden dragon <laughs> on the bottle. And it's, like, 14% ABV. <laughs> you just take a whiff of the stuff, and it smells like fingernail polish from over here. Just like, oh! It almost tastes like it, honestly. Like it's... But our, the... <laughs> The regional liquor store around here, Party Source, they have like a three-foot bottle of it. I'm you... always tempted to buy it. Why would just you... because? Why would you need three feet of this stuff? Why wouldn't you? It's comically large. It is amazing. For <laughs> the dragon, you know. Yes, for the dragon. Just keep, you have to just keep chasing that dragon. <laughs> that way, it's a different thing, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, moving to our next term. It's going to be International Bittering Units, or the IBU. It's another important abbreviation you'll see a lot. But it's a more precise unit for measuring hops. Equal to the AAU, which you're going to we'll be told about. get to that about. in a second. Yeah, that's coming soon. But it's equal to the AAU multiplied by factors for percent utilization, wart volume, and wart gravity. Basically, how I really don't understand <laughs> Basically, how, yeah, it's how bitter the, the beer is. <laughs> this It's really an important measurement for IPAs, double IPAs and imperial IPAs. Which is uh, why I don't understand it, because me and IPAs don't get along just yet. It may happen, it may not. 
I, I've I've gotten to a point where I don't I don't care for IPAs necessarily, but if someone puts one in front of me, I'll taste it and go, no, that's that's a pretty good example of what it's supposed to be. Yeah. <laughs> good job. Good job, Copy. guys. That's no, that's that's got the right, everything's right about it. And I just looked down at it, going, I'm gonna have to finish it. Uh, <laughs> yeah. You had a little sneak preview of the next word, guys. The AAU, the alpha acid units. This is a homebrewing measurement of hops, uh, equal to the weight in ounces multiplied by the percentage of alpha acids. I don't know what alpha acids are or beta acids, uh, but I don't know if there are beta acids. So it I'm not sounds. A, to I'm me not like, a chemist. Yeah, it sounds to me like this is so the homebrewing measurement of hops versus like the IBU being a more standard worldwide situation for measuring hops. Yeah. Uh, well, let's. I imagine the AAU is easier to get to, while uh, while IBU takes a little bit of work, but it's it's a much more precise number. Right. All right. To continue on the acronym game, oh, yeah. BJCP, which actually. <laughs> Stands for Beer Judge Certification Program. This is a nonprofit organization formed in 1985 to promote beer literacy and the appreciation of real beer, and to recognize beer tasting and evaluation skills. I mean, so by real beer, do they mean O'Doul's doesn't count? I'd imagine not. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just trying to. Where's the line that they draw real beer at? I've thought about signing up for one of those a time or two. Uh, I think. One of our one of our friends uh, has, I think. I know he's, I know he's done actual beer judging, but whether he, I, and I think he's done the program, but I'm not 100. percent Beer judging is an interesting thing to try and do, though. It's, it sounds pretty simple. Just walk around, drink beer, but you're you're comparing it to, to how a fla- how an ideal version of, of all of this style of beer should be, basically. And what what does their particular take on it bring to the table? Uh, so it's it's unique, I guess. It's a unique thing to do. And with taste being subjective, it's it's a tricky thing to do. But still. Yes, I w- I would be awful at being a judge <laughs> because I could not subjectively taste them. I would just be like, yep, yeah, that was pretty good to me. Yeah, like... <laughs> just just walking up. Yeah, no, that's pretty. Give me more of that. <laughs> on their on their website, so they actually have like a printable kind of an ordeal of guidelines for beer, not only beer styles but mead styles and cider styles. Oh man! So wow, and you can actually download the PDF, and there are all these exams, and like it, it's kind of a, I mean it, they're doing good work in in making sure there's an educational format here, and there's. You know, there are standards and that kind of deal. It's it's like being a beer version of a wine sommelier. Yeah, basically. Uh, if you don't know what a sommelier is, it's the the really high up there wine experts. Yeah, I feel like we couldn't do it because it, it, to me it's like the equivalent of the judges at the dog shows. <laughs> like we watch those dog shows and 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 I understand what they're looking for. But if we wanted to judge them, we'd be like, oh, you know, it's just like, it wouldn't work out. We'd be like, oh, that one's so cute and fluffy. And then there a poodle is. comes across and it's like, oh, God, why did they do that to that dog? It loses. <laughs> it loses on principle. See, hearing beer judging compared to dog shows, and just picturing the brewer standing up there with it and the guy just bending the guy over and checking his... 
for them inspecting the the beer bottle, like very yeah, just mm, mm, oh, harumph. <laughs> like a series of people standing there with beer mustaches, like mm, doing the yeah. very contemplative look on their face. Well, if there were an American Kennel Club to judge beer, it would be the Brewers Association. The Brewers Association is our next term, and is an organization of brewers for brewers and by brewers. More than 2,300 U.S. brewery members and 43,000 members of the American Home Brewers Association are joined by members of the Allied Trade, beer wholesalers, retailers, and other associate members and Brewer Association staff to make up the Brewers Association. Whew. Kind of there's, a big deal. <laughs> there's, yeah, yeah, there are a few people in with that. And you may remember in our story back in the news that, yeah, the Brewers Association, they kind of make some important calls. I was really confused for a little while. I was like, what, what's what's a Milwaukee baseball team doing in our list? <laughs> oh, jeez. Yeah, sorry. Oh. Bad joke, and I couldn't ouch, stop. Ouch, Out. Can't. All right, <laughs> All right I'm, I'm leaving the podcast now. It's been a good run, guys. Before I go, I guess I'll I'll go on to our next term of uh, drought beer. Uh, it's uh, beer draft. drawn from... Draft. 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 Sorry. I'm reading what it says, not, not how it's supposed to be read. Uh, draft beer. Beer drawn from kegs, casks, or serving tanks uh, rather than from cans, bottles, or packages. Uh, beer consumed from a growler relatively soon after filling is also sometimes considered draft beer. Uh, yeah, draft is, you know, you have the nice fun handles that your bartender will pull down for you. Always has a always has a fresher taste to me than mm-hmm. than going out of out of like a bottle or a can. But yes, a draft is always the preferable method to getting your beer. Oh, uh, <laughs> nothing beats it. Especially if you find somewhere that's selling a nitro beer, it's yeah. it's so much better in draft. Uh, it's just the bee's knees. It's. It's the same thing as saying on tap, right? Like the yeah. stuff that is on yeah. tap is yeah. craft. Uh, because the the tap part comes from tapping one of the kegs. Right. Um, okay. So when you're out at a restaurant and your server starts going over, oh well, we have whatever for, it's happy hour and it's you know like two dollars for all drafts and whatever still, for bottles. You're still drafts. making money on drafts. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, drafts just mean they're pulling it right out of a keg for you. All right, and uh, as mentioned in the previous term about growlers, a growler is a jug or pail-like container once used to carry draft beer bought by the measure at the local tavern. Growlers are usually half a gallon or 64 ounces or two liters, which is 68 ounces, in volume and made of glass. Brew pubs often serve growlers to sell beer to go. A customer will usually pay a deposit on the growler, but can bring it back again and again for a refill. Growlers to go are not legal in all U.S. states, though. If you're trying to picture a growler, just they usually are shaped something like the old uh, moonshine jugs that you see. Yeah. And... They really, yeah, they're just glass jugs. Just... And it depends on where you're going to get one filled, if they're selling them or handing them out. They'll usually be different shapes, and... They're always covered with all kinds of cool, fun little things. But yeah, if say for instance you have a brewery around you that isn't selling their product in <laughs> bottles and cans yet, it's an amazing way to get some of the beer to enjoy back at your home. 
one of the places uh, that does a lot of growlers here where I live, they've got so many of them that they started cutting the bottoms out and uh, using them as decorations. Like they, they're they're light, they're overhead light covers. <laughs> that's, like, that's that's really cool. Not really. Tying in a quick news story, uh, this is months old, but uh, the national grocery store chain Kroger has recently announced actually that they are adding growler fill stations in many of their locations. That would be amazing. <laughs> well, and it's funny too because Whole Foods already has it, or at least, I mean, our local Whole Foods has it. I assume that most of them do. I don't know. It's in the other end of town. I don't go there. <laughs> But it, they have a really good beer selection at the one here in um, in Cincinnati, and yeah, they have they have tons of growlers too. It's weird. All right, uh, looks like we've got the end of this list inside here, but our next term, a tricky term, it's mouthfeel, and you're going to hear that a lot when it comes to tastings. But mouthfeel is the textures that one perceives in a beer. This includes carbonation, fullness, and aftertaste. And it's completely subjective. Yeah. Yeah. The mouthfeel is all in you, and there's no wrong answers. There's a chart that's been floating around for years, and it's, you know, where all the, the taste, where you taste things in the tongue. These taste buds taste this on this side, and tip tastes sweet or whatever. That is a lie. <laughs> all taste buds taste all flavors. There's no subjective parts in your tongue. You're like, no, you'd only taste this here. No, it's complete crap. Now, it, it I will say, like doing doing tastings, there are ways to like help notice some of the feel, uh, some of the the flavors and textures and whatnot to it. Um, the the texture is an interesting thing to think of, but uh, if you get a nitrogen beer, you know you know the difference between it and a regular carbonated beer. Oh, yeah, you know immediately. <laughs> uh, man, I've had some nitro pale ales that are just they're just so smooth and delicious. <laughs> um, yeah, the I do have a funny aftertaste story. I won't call out the, the brewery specifically, but they had one uh, that when me and a friend tried it, we described it as a tasting of home, uh, home being, being eastern Kentucky, and we described it as a... Describe the, the, the taste as a, a red can Folgers coffee and cigarette butts. <laughs> Mar- Marlboro red cigarettes. We went, yeah, no, that that taste of home. Um, That's unfortunate. <laughs> wow. Uh, it was not one of my favorite things. I, style. I, it was a porter style. Uh, I'm afraid to say too much more. Yeah, yeah. Because, again... I like other things that brewery did, but that was not one that I enjoyed. I think it was a limited run. Yeah, they're not all perfect, that's for sure. <laughs> no, the mouthfeel, I think, to me, it's one of the reasons I love stouts and porters so much because they're just yeah. so thick, and yeah. each one is different because they're thick, but then there's so much going on in them that, oh, it's just it's a party in your mouth. There were so many opportunities for a that's what she said in that. <laughs> But uh, yeah, the the mouthfeel on the Starts and Porters thing, it's it's also, which it, it doesn't have to hold true, but I think because we also like coffee, it really goes along well with. You like coffee somehow. Yeah. I like Stouts and Porters, but I don't like coffee. I, yeah, yeah. I think I, I guess I'm saying like it kind of adds to it for us. All right, we've got one last word here. It's a uh, it's a flight. Now, if you don't know what a flight is, uh, it's usually a a sampler. 
sampler way of getting beer. They'll give you a little little glasses. They'll typically put it on a paddle. Uh, not all the time, but sometimes they'll have it on a paddle with little holes holding each of the each of the small glasses. Uh, it's like two ounces, maybe three ounces, and it's a way to try out a whole lot of their different flavors. Uh, a lot of the uh, a lot of the microbreweries and you know sort of places like that will have them now. But yeah, they're real popular brew pubs. Yeah, it it's a really fun way though to go in just like yeah, let's try something, and that way you don't feel beholden to the rest of this beer that you've bought because like I've had some where I've looked down, and I'm like. I have this weird grapefruit concoction that that just didn't. I, I thought it was going to be amazing, and it just didn't do it for me. I don't feel so bad leaving one ounce still in the glass as opposed to leaving, you know, twelve ounces still in a glass because I just yes. didn't want it. Right. I completely support if you're going out drinking somewhere you've never been, or you're go- like someplace that has an amazing variety. Get a flight mm-hmm. and try a bunch of little samples of beers and narrow down what you want to get a full glass of. Yeah. Once right. once you find your home, you can you can only drink that for the rest of the night if you want. Right. But, you know, it, it'll but at least give you a, It's true. <laughs> but you're it will give you an idea of like, you know, what you're going to what you might enjoy from them. And generally they're not um, horribly priced. Yeah. I think like so an example at uh oh gosh, what is it? At Rock Bottom, they their <laughs> flight is Huh? That's a good name. Yeah, their their beers are really good, and actually, no, no, like... no. I I legitimately love that name. Oh, okay. <laughs> Maybe yeah. Um, but I think their flight is around eight or nine dollars, and you get you can choose which ones you get in it, and I want to say it's like four or five different selections, mm. so it's not bad really. All right, well that that finishes off our list. Uh. That might have seemed a little dry. If it did, I apologize. We'll have a regular topic next time. But we thought it would be really handy to know some of the stuff. Well, we thought forward. it was time to learn you something. Well, and hopefully this helps because, I mean, I know that tons of people hear some of these terms maybe more regularly than the others, but definitely things that you hear out and about, especially with the craft beer thing taking off so much. If you go to a local uh, brewery or a restaurant or something, you're going to hear hops. You're going to hear uh, malt. You're going to hear so many of the the ABV thing. So unless you hang around some of my friends, you're probably not going to hear adjuncts. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or or I think a lot of us like I wasn't aware of the name for it, but I'm like, oh right, yeah. When they just put different things, <laughs> it's essentially them just putting different things in the beer. Someone so, just tossed a whole orange into this thing. All right. Yeah. Well, feedback real quick. We invite more feedback if you're listening to this uh, and you've made it through all the other episodes to this one. Yeah, you seem to uh, be sticking with us and let us know what you want to hear. I mean, we've gotten some feedback already, but we invite for more and give us topics, things you want to know more about, and we'll wait, look wait. it up and do our best. People are listening to this? <laughs> I was I was not told that was going to happen. From recent counts, the website would suggest at least 27. <laughs> okay. I feel... <laughs> I feel less terrified now. We're good. <laughs> it's not a horrifying number. Okay. Whew. I'm calmer now. All right, moving. <laughs> yeah, well, no, we we would love feedback. Uh, if you have questions, if you have, you know, things you want to talk about, uh, let us know. We'll we'll read emails probably. Whatever yeah, you want. Su- if you want to suggest beers for us to try, again, just let us know. We have some available amazing sources around us. 
that we can get a lot of craft beers and other things from around the country. So just let us know if you think something's amazing and we should try it. We're always down. <laughs> All right, so what we're drinking? Yeah. Drink with me, friend. I guess I will start us off. Sure. Of course, as per uh, what seems to be the typical thing that happens now in each episode, I'm now finished with this beer. But <laughs> I was drinking uh, an Oktoberfest by Warsteiner. Oh. Imported from Germany. Oh. Mm, which is, of course, the, uh, the Merzen-style beer. The ABV is 5.9%, which is pretty good for a, a Oktoberfest style. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I, I like a lot of the stuff that Warsteiner does, so it's pretty happy to see this at the uh, create-your-own-six-pack area. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a fun place in your local... Uh, for me, it's a local liquor store, but if you have someone that has your create your own six pack, it's a really cool. Just all right, let's experiment. What are we getting? Just go in and surprise yourself. Just start grabbing some things. Like oh, I've never had this style before. Give it a shot. Well, this time I'm drinking uh, something from one of my favorite breweries. Uh, been up there. I've been at their actual brewery before. It's a. Uh, it's from Bell's Brewery. It's mm. the Bell's Special Double Cream Stout. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's a nice, chocolatey, kind of roasted a little bit flavor. Uh, I'm almost finished with it now. I've been trying to trying to ration it, but <laughs> it is... It's so good. I took this to a friend's uh, sort of beer-tasting game thing, because, you know, everyone brought in a flavor or so of beer. Everyone tried to... Whoever won at the end of the night got the rest of the six packs that everyone else bid on. Uh, and I brought uh, I brought this, and I also brought a left-handed nitro stout, and I got like first and second among them. Wow. And I was like, yeah, no, these are better than whatever you guys brought. I want to have one of those parties. <laughs> <laughs> That's tasting. Yeah, no, it... It was a friend of mine came up with the uh, or had heard of the idea or something, so we we tried it. And I was like, this was really fun. Uh, I brought entirely more beer than I was expected to. Uh, oh, <laughs> we would probably do the same thing if we had. To well, do I was us. I was ill informed about what I should have done, so I brought like four different six packs, and they're like, <laughs> oh, no, we needed to bring like one. I was like, oh, whoops, <laughs> oh no, we have oh, too no. much beer. Oh yeah. no. And I thought, well, maybe I'll get rid of some of it. Nope, I won, and so I got more beer. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. You win. What I win? Another beer. beer. <laughs> All right, I'm going for the high score. <laughs> what What's going to get you to that high score, Chris? What is going to get me to that high score is a new Belgium pump kick. <laughs> I had actually never had this one. I, I've never seen it before until this year, so it may be a new one. But New Belgium just started distributing very recently in our area, so it's probably been around for a while. It's just new to me. I haven't drank it. It's new to me. <laughs> but it is 6% ABV, so it's getting a little on the higher side. But as I took a drink of it, because they've got a nice big pumpkin on the label and everything, so you're like, oh, I know what I'm drinking going into this. Yeah. So I popped it and took a nice big swig, and I was like, hmm. There's a nice little tartness to this, and I see this paragraph staring at me on the label. So I kind of tilt my bottle, I'm looking, and it says, 
what's that bite of tartness doing in a pumpkin beer? And it's like, oh, well, the beer just read my mind. The beer knows. <laughs> the label is coming from inside the house. <laughs> adding the unexpected kick of cranberry juice to brighten this traditionally spiced seasonal ale. And then it all came together. It's like, oh, yeah, that's why it's called Pump Kick. <laughs> uh, yeah, but it is. It's pretty refreshing compared to. I mean, when you've, when after you've had so many pumpkin beers, you're kind of like, I feel like I've had all of them. You've pretty much narrowed it down. You're like, oh, this is my favorite one. So you've been buying more of it. Yeah. But then you have a pump kick, and it's there aren't any other pumpkin beers like it. I mean, it's got this nice tart finish, almost too tart, but it's still all right. Is it like borderline on the, like a sour? I wouldn't put it borderline sour. Okay. That'd be weird in a pumpkin, I think. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, the pumpkin ales, like, I feel like once you've had a few, you're like, oh, okay, this is, <laughs> you do know what to expect. But, yeah, that's that's a good, good, I can't wait to try that one, actually. There's another one in the fridge with your name on it. I know. <laughs> There's not one in my fridge with my name on it. <laughs> we're trying to we're trying to get to all the false things. We act like the I act like the end of October is the end of fall, which is not a real thing. But no, for some reason, December. we're trying to get to all the fall things. Because, but no, by mid-November, everyone will yeah. transition to all their winter beers. Yeah. And then we got to move on, you know. It's <laughs> we can't stay in the beautiful fall land forever. <laughs> and we weren't as excited about winter stuff before, but now I'm just I'm really intrigued to keep trying new things. We're gonna keep doing the create your own six pack, I think, to yeah, it's to fun. try out. Do we have any announcements about anything that I don't know about? <laughs> I don't think so. Okay. I would like to take this opportunity to announce my candidacy for president of the United States. Oh, uh, what's your policy on drinking? Everyone has to. Mandatory. Oh. Even kids. If you want to check out more about his campaign platform, uh, come check us out at uh, haveadrinkshow.com. Nice. You can also find our uh, social links there. We're going to talk more about Untapped, I think, on a future episode, but it's a great beer check-in app, and you can find our profiles to that app on the website as well. It's also a great way to suggest to us things that we should try and let us know what you're drinking. We want to thank Alan Robinson for the show music, the intro and the exit music. And we also want to thank Len Peralta for doing the cover art for the podcast. It's just amazing how, how well he was able to capture all of us without ever having met any of us. Like, that beard is spot on. Uh <laughs> it really is. <laughs> Uh, uh, be sure to tell us your favorite drink uh, ask a question or leave us some feedback at feedback at haveadrinkshow.com and remember to go check out the subscribe links now on the website I've got links to subscribe on iTunes or Pocket Casts but of course you can use any podcatcher of your choice and please please rate us on iTunes Uh, unfortunately iTunes is like the place to do the rating so we would really appreciate the feedback from that. I mean, fortunately, unfortunately, just just go to iTunes and, and give us good reviews, please. Yeah. Or if you're going to leave a bad review, just just keep it to yourself for a little while. You can come <laughs> back later once, once we're a little better established and then just rip us a new one. That's fine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's, that's standard, I think. 
All right. Well, uh, check us out in another couple of weeks for the newest episode. And once again, I'm Brittany Lee Walker. I'm Justin Frazier. And I'm Christopher Walker. We'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.